Welcome to the July Pensions Podcast from the Stevenson Harwood Pensions Law Team. You can subscribe and listen on iTunes and Stitcher or by visiting our website at www.shlegal.com. I'm Stephen Richards, a partner in the Pensions Team, and I have with me Alex Rush, a senior associate in the team. Today we are going to briefly cover a new requirement for trustees to undertake competitive tenders when purchasing fiduciary management services, guidance given by the Court of Appeal on the powers of the pensions regulator, and an example of the pensions regulated continued proactive stance. But first, Alex will look at new disclosure and stewardship obligations on trustees. Thanks, Steve. Some new regulations were passed in June, which build on the disclosures trustees of occupational defined contribution and defined benefit schemes are required to make in relation to investment matters. As an overview, the regulations amend the obligations of DB scheme trustees by requiring them to publish their Statement of Investment Principles, or SIP, on a website. They also expand the information that must be included in the SIP about how the trustees' policy on exercising investment voting rights and investment engagement have been followed. In addition, the regulations amend the obligations of DC scheme trustees by expanding the information that must be included in an implementation statement. That's a statement that's designed to explain how the SIP's been followed in the year and explain any changes made to the SIP during that year. Trustees of both defined benefit and defined contribution schemes are also affected by the requirement for information regarding arrangements with asset managers to be included in the Statement of Investment Principles. While a number of new requirements affecting investment disclosures came into force or are due to come into force on around 1 October 2019 this year, these latest additions will be phased in over the next couple of years. Trustees also need to be aware of a legally binding order that has been issued by the Competition and Markets Authority. After investigation, the CMA found competition problems within both the investment consultancy and, to a greater degree, the fiduciary management markets. Broadly speaking, by fiduciary management, the CMA means where the provider makes and implements decisions for the investor, for example, to select a fund in which to invest. Under the new requirements, trustees who wish to delegate investment decisions for 20% or more of their pension fund assets must run a competitive tender when first purchasing fiduciary management services. Trustees must use reasonable endeavours to obtain bids from at least three unrelated fiduciary managers to ensure competitive process. Where schemes already have an appointed fiduciary manager for 20% or more of their assets without a tender, trustees of such schemes must put this service out to tender within five years. Under the order, fiduciary managers are also required to provide potential new customers with information on their performance and fees to allow for a fair comparison to be conducted between providers. The order was introduced as part of a number of reforms to the investment consultancy and fiduciary management sector after the CMA found competition issues. Thanks, Steve. Of interest to both sponsors and trustees of DB schemes is the recent Court of Appeal decision in the Box Clever case. The appeal judges upheld a financial support direction, also known as an FSD, issued by the pensions regulator against the ITV group. The FSD stemmed from a joint venture that ITV set up with Thorne in 2000, often referred to as Box Clever. In 2001, the Box Clever employers established a defined benefit pension scheme for certain employees. Those employers subsequently became insolvent, leaving a deficit in the pension scheme. The pensions regulator issued an FSD to the ITV group requesting substantial financial support for that scheme. An appeal against the FSD was brought. Of particular interest were the arguments that, first, 
the establishment of the joint venture and the pension scheme, and the factors that the pension regulator took into account when deciding that issuing FSD was reasonable, related to a period that predated the legislation that actually introduced FSDs. It was argued that the FSD legislation was not intended to have retrospective effect. And second, it was argued that it was not reasonable to impose the FSD as the establishment of the joint venture was a reasonable commercial decision. The Court of Appeal rejected both those arguments. It was held that the pensions regulator could take into account facts that existed before the FSD regime existed when determining if it was reasonable to impose such direction. The Court of Appeal rejected these arguments. It was held that the pensions regulator could take into account facts that existed before the FSD regime existed when determining if it was reasonable to impose such a direction. In addition, the court also confirmed that the target of the FSD did not have to be at fault in order to bear some responsibility to the pension scheme. This decision provides useful guidance on the court's interpretation of the extent of the pension regulator's financial support direction powers. In a further example of the pensions regulator's continued proactive stance, the trustees of the Dunn Stores pension scheme have been stopped from running the scheme. This follows a catalogue of governance failures by the trustees, including failing to prepare adequate chair statements, failing to comply with statutory charge cap requirements in relation to default investment funds and to properly address the issues arising from that regulatory breach, failing to maintain a trustee board consisting of one-third member-nominated trustees and failing to follow professional advice obtained in relation to a transfer of scheme assets. The decision was made by the Pensions Regulators Determination Panel, which decided that the benefits of the scheme's 390 members were at risk due to the trustees lacking the knowledge and understanding required to govern the scheme properly. The panel found that, despite more than a decade of being responsible for running the scheme, the trustees had failed to familiarise themselves with the requirements of UK pensions legislation and demonstrated that they do not have or are not exercising their knowledge and understanding for the proper administration of the scheme. This led to a series of governance failures, which the trustees did little to rectify, even when the pensions regulator became involved. The pensions regulator has now appointed an independent trustee to oversee the scheme and ultimately protect members' benefits. This is the first time the pensions regulator has used its power to appoint a trustee, primarily because of a lack of competence of the existing trustee board, and this reflects the regulator's desire to be seen to be taking a tougher approach. In our final topic for this podcast, the government has been denied permission to appeal the recent decision that held that the transitional arrangements in respect of the judicial and firefighters pension scheme were discriminatory. The transitional arrangements were introduced to deal with the transition of members from more favourable terms under the scheme to less favourable terms. Those transitional arrangements favoured older members. A claim was brought arguing that those arrangements were discriminatory and the Court of Appeal agreed that they were unjustifiably discriminatory. The government attempted to appeal this decision to the Supreme Court. However, we understand that the Supreme Court has refused permission to appeal on the grounds that it does not raise an arguable point of law. The Court of Appeal's decision will therefore stand. That's all for this month's podcast. Further detail on all of the subjects discussed can be found in the July snapshot. The briefings we have produced on a number of these topics are from your usual Stevenson Harwood Pensions Law Team contact. Thanks for listening. We hope you found the podcast informative. And don't forget that you can listen again and subscribe to the series on iTunes and Stitcher or on the Stevenson Harwood website. (laughs) 